like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at liveonfourlegspod. Uh, walked in here today and uh, we've been here before. And I say, in all honesty, with one hand on the uh, lie detector machine, that it's on behalf of all of us, it's good to be back in St. Louis. And there's a lot of fucking people here. So thank you for coming. I think I need a toast to that. And when I walked in today, the first thing I thought of was was something that my wife sometimes says to me when I come home from being away on tour, and and she says, uh, it's bigger than I remembered it. My knee, my knee gets swollen by the time I get back. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett! Fucking Cameron in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and we are coming ever so closely we're about two weeks until the first show of this tour believe it or not how crazy is that and that september run is going to start on thursday september 1st in quebec city and we're going to get to a quebec city show later this month in about two weeks around that same time but we're going to do some other locations that are going to be headed in september before that and that's including today where this is actually a show that both john you and i are going to be at this location in september so we'll talk about ways that you'll be able to come and say hi to us but you may not know this but pearl jam has a nice little history in st louis 
It's kind of split between St. Louis and Maryland Heights, Missouri, which is kind of the outskirts of St. Louis, I believe. So there's things to talk about, and there's kind of a little bit of uh, the history within the location. We'll get to that. We'll also get to some mistakes maybe one mistake that we made last week and something that uh, actually happened from a conversation last week that came to fruition. And we'll just start off by talking about that. Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello. Hello. What would you like to know first? The mistake? Just get it out of the way. It wasn't we, a big yeah, deal. We, we got we to gotta do the mistake first. It wasn't a big deal, but I somehow in the back of my head when um, uh, this was Michael Johnson, our uh, patron and, and nice guy, good friend, got in touch with us and, and said that the song that Ed played with My Morning Jacket, It Makes No Difference, is actually a song by the band. And I feel like in the back of my head, once he said that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that makes a whole lot of sense. But at the time, because I don't know a whole lot of My Morning Jacket, I just thought, I just believed it, I guess. So... Yeah, yeah I'm not a not a fan of theirs. Like, no, not because I don't like it, just because I've never never just got into them. So, yeah, right. thanks, thanks, Michael. Yep. So that one's say hey, we don't make a lot of mistakes, or we don't get called out on a lot of mistakes on the show. But that's okay. Look, I always say, keep us honest. If we fuck up, however, we're we're probably gonna fuck up on something in this show. And if we do, then it's up to you guys to let us know. And then we'll say it at the beginning of next show, too. However, this is the more interesting thing coming off of a conversation from last week. Obviously, we talked a good amount about Ed's appearance with the Strokes. But once we were done with that, we got into a conversation about the shirt that Ed was wearing. You remember this, correct? Yes. Red Hot Chili Pepper shirt. Correct. Yep. It has the red hot chili pepper asterisks and whatever you want to call it with wings and it, on the bottom on a scroll, it says, by the way, it's obviously from the, by the way, tour in 2003. And I had mentioned that this was a shirt that I had way back when, when I saw them a couple times on that tour. And when I saw Ed wear the shirt, it was kind of like, whoa, where'd that come from? I hadn't seen that shirt in years. So I got curious, I looked on eBay, and I saw one thing that was out there, but it had six days or seven days, it was basically a brand new bid, and I'm just like, you know what, I'll just go to the minimum bid, let's just see what happens, and it was like, at 18, put in for 20, and a couple days went by, I had no idea what was going on, and I got an email that said, congratulations, you've won the Chili Pepper shirt, (laughs) so I am currently wearing this as we speak right now. Okay. That ties into this show, too, because did you notice what shirt Ed was wearing at at the show we're going to cover today? I did, yeah. I did. And that's kind of a first for him. I'd never seen him do that before. So we can talk about that a little bit. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about the history of Pearl Jam in St. Louis. They've played eight shows in St. Louis proper. They've played three in Maryland Heights in that um, it used to be called the Verizon Wireless Amphitheater, but now it's got, you know, they all change names every day. So it's and I'm probably not saying the original, original name of it, which was probably completely different than that. But there are a couple things that do jump out to you. What jumps out to you from the history of Pearl Jam in St. Louis? And there's some really important stuff. Yeah, the first one is the given to fly from touring band with the sign language interpreter. I think that's probably the St. Louis moment. 100%. Absolutely. When you think about St. Louis, that's the first thing that comes to your mind. And it was just such a great off-the-cuff moment. The term, anything can happen at a Pearl Jam show, is basically defined by that. 
So I think anytime you do say Pearl Jam St. Louis, it's the first thing that triggers your head. Oh, oh yeah, that that's from Touring Band 2000, of course. So they've had that moment, and that moment's kind of stood the test of time. What people might not know, this might get kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit, is that, and you might know this from just us talking about the 1994 tour and just kind of knowing what they did there, but... In 1994, obviously, they were debuting a lot of Vitalogy songs during that little run before anybody really knew what they were. You know, Not For You got played a bunch. Satan's Bed got played at that Atlanta show. Spin a Black Circle, sure. I think every single one of them got played except for Bugs. But Corduroy was actually debuted at the second night at the Fox Theater in St. Louis in 1994. That's really interesting because obviously that version and what it would become later, it becomes so anthemic and such a massive song for them. But like that day when they were playing it, you know, it it was just kind of a shell of what it would become. Just very interesting. I don't know if you guys had ever listened to the debut of Corduroy before, but that all kind of went down in, in the place that Pearl Jam will be on September 18th this year. Yeah, that, that's cool. I mean, that's a good little feather in the cap of St. Louis that they can have. They they got the debut of one of the absolute best Pearl Jam songs. A lot of the places they've been to, if they've been there multiple times, you can say there's one or two things that, you know, they can hold on to and, and you know, keep as a nice little souvenir of Pearl Jam. And there are other places where you can have like 10 to 15 of theirs. And, you know, I I think for a place like St. Louis, I'm sure they pride themselves on, on these kind of moments. And and it's great because they also had a 2010 show that was on like a Tuesday or something like that. And they call it like the sleeper in St. Louis. And apparently like people in the area love this show, but it's not one that, the big time Pearl Jam fans talk about too much. Strangely enough, we'll, we'll get to it eventually. We will, yeah. And the reason why we chose 2014 is actually because this was a Patreon request from our friend David Ruthman. And David and I got to know each other on a nice little uh, tour of New Jersey when we were hanging out at See Here Now and driving around all over the place. And you can pretty much expect sometime in September that we're going to do like a year in review for See Here Now, a little roundtable, and then maybe... Perhaps that would lead to something else that you can consider as part of the podcast. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. It's great to hear all the stories, and he got to write into us and and send in a nice little story. So I'm going to read that right now and go back and, and relive his experience for you guys. So this is the show that made me a big fan. Believe it or not, everybody has that moment, right? Everybody has that moment. Says, Chloe Dancer, Crown of Thorns, lots of excitement from the Cardinals playoffs, extremely high tensions and emotions from the city, from the Michael Brown shooting in Ferguson, not even two months earlier. This added to an electric environment that Pearl Jam delivered a great show. It delivered an outlet for the tornado of extreme lows and highs that were occurring in the city at that time. This show lives in the shadow of Moline, which would occur two weeks later, but to me, it was a great show early in the tour. The 2014 St. Louis show was my second time seeing the band and when I truly realized what a Pearl Jam show was about. It was a Friday show and I went with two co-workers, John and Bob, and after we drove downtown, grabbed some barbecue at Union Station, the atmosphere in St. Louis was electric as it often is in early October. 
John was the diehard Pearl Jam fan of our group and got us hyped up for sharing stories of former shows he'd seen and talking about his favorite songs while we had a few cold ones. He fed my excitement and was my first realization of how passionate Pearl Jam fans are. We got in early, had seats on the floor in the middle about halfway back. The Scott Trade Center put the Cardinals playoff game on screens, and it was game one of the NLDS against the Dodgers. I'm a lifelong Cubs fan, and 2014 being part of a playoff excitement there was giving Eddie and myself taste of what was to come in Wrigley just two years later. Kerry Wood was also in attendance and got a shout out from Ed during the show. When you hear the bootleg and they open with Pendulum, the crowd soars and it was just juiced from the baseball game and ready to rock. Low Light being the second song, John looking at Bob and I with pure joy to hear it, and during the lyrics, Ed switched up to Two Cardinals is what they'll see instead of the usual Two Birds lyrics. Go, do the evolution, mind your manners, energetic, sounded great. After my father's son, they did a nice little bluesy jam, top of the eighth, where Ed did a little score update and toasted the crowd and joked about how his knees swell up. We'll be talking about all this stuff once we get into the show. Corduroy Lightning Bolt were, were awesome. It was that moment where I was transported as a fan. I was hooked, and I remember near the end of Lightning Bolt being so blown away with the sound and energy, and I had a soul-filling feeling pouring over me, if that makes any sense. The WMA Tag On Daughter was spirited, considering what had happened in Ferguson a couple months prior, and surprisingly afterwards he had noted that Brett Hull was in the crowd, instead of saying anything else about Ferguson, and simply let WMA be the statement. At the end of Jeremy, he delivered final baseball score and did a little Never Give Up riff and fueled the crowd with Chicago Team Talk, <laughs> which I erupted into cheers, and then Ed gave love to Kerry Wood, as he mentioned before. Also during the show, Ed sent a wine bottle to a fan who was seeing her 100th show. That was hard to fathom for me, being at only a second at the time. And later, Ed recognized a lady who traveled to see the show as part of her dying wishes while battling cancer. And we'll talk about that once that moment comes, because there's a very sad story, but a finish to that as well. So that's it from David. And that's great. Thank you so much for sharing all yeah, that. Thanks, Thank you David. for continued patronage. And I don't know if you're going to the St. Louis one. I, I, he lives in Arizona, so I'm not sure if he's going to the St. Louis show, but hopefully he is. And hopefully we get to see him. That'd be great. Yeah, definitely. Good story. All right. Anything else that we need to get into before we get into the show? Yes, there actually is one thing that I just wanted to bring up here. Usually kind of gets brought up in the middle with all the Patreon stuff, but we're going to bring it up a little bit early. And that's our Hope and Brews and Lou event that's going on the day of the show before the show is actually happening. And there's a lot of stuff happening that day. We're involved. The Touring Fan Live is involved and Anthony is going to be running things. And it's doing such a great job with putting it all together. And really, there are, are a couple big things. It's going to be a fundraiser for Mental Health Awareness Month. Funding will go to the AFSP, which is an organization that helps and deals with suicide prevention, which will be a big talking point at the show. And a lot of that is going to be coming through kind of what we're going to be doing and interviewing some people that are going to be attached within the little fundraiser that we have going on for Pearl Jam Fan Portraits and what Tanya does over there. And if you don't know what Pearl Jam Fan Portraits does, is that they take pictures of people with their favorite quote of Pearl Jams and something meaningful to them that is something straight from a part of their life that hits them hard. And the idea is that it tries to kind of tell people how much Pearl Jam 
is more than music to all of us. And it's just such an important thing to remember within all this. And, you know, she's done so many people, so many fans over the years. And, and I read a story that one of the people that she did at a show had recently passed away and I'm glad she's doing it. And now she's putting out a book that we're trying to help fund her for. And one of the things that we're doing is that we are going to be in this little package that if you want to get your picture taken and want to get interviewed at the show and also get a copy of the book in the pre-order, then that's something that she's going to be doing. And keep your eyes on like the Pearl Jam podcast community this week, because there's going to be a bunch of posts on how you can sign up and what you can get within donating to this because it's an important cause and and you know she's she's been working really really hard on this book and we just want to help her out as much as possible so all the things are going to tie in together we're going to interview the people that get their picture taken and ask them you know why they pick certain quotes and and what they mean to them and i think that's going to be eye-opening experience for everybody so i can't wait it's going to be my first time getting a, a picture done for this i've never done the pearl jam fan portrait before so really excited and i'm just glad this whole event is coming into fruition and we'll get to see everybody there get in touch with us if you want more information if you want to make sure to be there then just reach out we're one email away live on four legs podcast at gmail.com all right let's get into the show like most 2013 2014 lightning bolt shows we're going to start with the song that opens the majority of them it's going to go pendulum in a low light in a small town for this early three Kind of funny, and I, I only bring it up because this is the second show, and the first show that happened on the Wednesday before this was in Cincinnati. And the Cincinnati, we, we've done that show before. It's a great show. It's, it really is like a, a modern classic in, in that kind of retrospect. And they did so much at that show that was just like fan treatment from the Rolling Stones cover to the way that they did Love Boat Captain and they did a lot of rare songs Man of the Hour Parachutes they came at that show hard and going back to sort of what Jonathan Cohen was talking about in our interview with him last week where he said usually the first couple shows of a tour the band is kind of getting their feet under them it felt like this show had more that vibe of playing some of the songs getting more familiar with them and playing pretty much what they're more comfortable with rather than going and taking a lot of chances because you see this this first three obviously they play this a lot but it kind of sets the tone in that retrospect that you're going to get on this friday night a lot of very notable songs 
Yeah, they had done Europe in June and July, kind of similar to what they did this year doing the festival circuit there. And then start the tour in the Midwest in Cincinnati. And then here, you know, like you said, you got the second show. And yeah, I, I agree, I think. And Ed even mentions it, this uh, later on in the show. He's like, yeah, I, I probably pushed myself a little too hard on that first show. I need, I'm feeling a little bit right now. So yeah, maybe a little bit of a sophomore show slump here but still very good. I thought Pendulum was great. And, you know, like David mentioned in his review, you get the line change in low light where he says two Cardinals is what they'll see. But we kind of teased it early on. Ed's wearing a Pearl Jam shirt here. I've never seen that before. a little off-putting is not really the right word, but it's a little, like, surprising. Like, did he just not pack enough clothes? Like, did they have... <laughs> did, he, did he spill something on his, Peace sign on his shirt? Peace like, after have to pull something out of a box from the merch like the last minute like <laughs> you can't wear your own shirt on stage dude like that's that's a faux pas like can't do that like i mean people what, still complain doing? about fans wearing the shirt of the band yeah, it to goes the back band to show like don't be that guy right yeah yeah i don't know how i feel about that either it seems more like situational than anything else maybe he mm. had a shirt and maybe it, it got drenched before he went out there. He's like, no, I, I don't want to start the show this way. Give me something else. And I'm then gonna say like, there was like a, a here from the merch incident at the, at the backstage table. <laughs> something got spilled on something. He's like, grab me something from the merch table real quick. I got to change. Yeah. Yeah. I'm well, going to go with. Well, for this band, it might as well be guacamole. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Coming from the avocado. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you with this first little part. You know, it's, it's the warm up going into everything and they go out pretty hard after this and small town also mentioned the crowd participation on it. It's a nice way to engage with the crowd before going in some fast ones. And this crowd is pretty good. This crowd is pretty good, especially once you get into later, they start to pick it up. So the next little section, go do the evolution, mind your manners. You're exploding away with go feels pretty massive way to introduce the big guns here. Edge shrieking towards the end, showing what kind of vocal power that he has. Evolution being fun on this, Ed getting up on the speakers to engage, and Stone also having a badass solo during it, which is always a plus. And it was tough to see, but like Mike or Jeff had a massive leap during Evolution, and I couldn't tell who it was. I, it might have been Jeff, to be honest I think with you. It but was it, Jeff. Yeah, the, he, the video was kind of far out but I believe it was Jeff. Yeah, Do the Evolution here is one of the standout tracks on this night, I thought. Really, the first time where you felt kind of the surge that we observed, I felt like they were all moving in the same direction together, and the, the performance really benefited from that. I thought everyone was pushing it on that performance, and yes, when you have a stone solo like that, it's going to get everyone pumped up, but yeah, this this felt like the best Do the Evolution we've heard in a long time. I really, really, really like this. Yeah, we had one a couple weeks ago that I really, really loved, but yeah, this was definitely a good version, too, and can't leave Minor Manners out of this at all even though it it felt like it went a little bit over the rails that they were kind of pressing on it a little bit but the jeff and mike backups on it together very good and minor matters was getting played every single night at this point so nothing to really much to go off of there we are getting back-to-back lightning bolt songs here there's only five lightning bolt songs at the show that feels kind of 33 yeah yeah feels kind of low I mean, it's not gigaton low, but the equivalent of what they did then to what they do now, it's kind of like the same as doing three gigaton songs now, maybe? 
Maybe a, and then that might be a little bit of hangover from Cincinnati too, because possibly you know, he might have realized that he was cognizant of of his limitations and said, "Okay, let me go to some some more familiar stuff tonight to kind of ease up on it." Because some of that lightning bolt stuff is is tough on on the voice. He was pushing it a lot on that stuff. Well, this one that we're going to get into right now is one of those I feel is tough. My father's yeah. son. Yeah. It didn't have much of a life during this era. It got played. This was the ninth time it being played. It was only played four more times. So it wasn't one that they were really going back to at all. But it feels like they played this you know, once here. And I believe they played it at the next show. Only three Aust- times on the tour, according yeah. to Live Footsteps. Yeah. yeah, they played it at Austin City Limits at the next show and maybe they were just trying to be like okay let's kind of pick it up with this one and see if we can kind of retain an energy and see if it works but it's really tough for some of those brand new songs to come together and have all the crowd finding a connection with it you know a lot of those songs from like avocado on are just difficult to get that reaction that they want and in some cases it's taken a long time to get that reaction that they want and it feels like from this standpoint when we saw really when the lightning bolt tour was over and done with most of these songs were were out really the only songs in this year that have been played mind your manners they did lightning bolt once and they did sleeping by myself twice so they're really not bringing these back a whole lot after this but why do you think My Father's Son perhaps worked in these little cases that they did or didn't work live? I don't think it even had enough of a life to, to say. I don't think they really got a chance to feel how whether it was going to work or not. I mean, obviously, it's a little awkward because it's got a kind of that choppy rhythm that they don't do very often. It's another one that's really wordy for Ed. So... I'm not surprised, and it, it's not one that a lot of people like grabbed onto. Like you talk about sirens, which ended up getting that kind of reprise at the end, where he would go on the acoustic guitar and do it and do a thing, and like lightning bolt, he would kind of play up a little bit and do a thing with it. And some of those songs kind of grew when in the live setting. Pendulum too had some cool stuff going on live as well. But my father, son, and another one which we're going to talk about in a little bit, just never really got a chance. They just kind of fell out with it. I don't know what happened. My father's son didn't seem to resonate as much, and if it did, we probably would have got to hear it a lot more. It's not really one that I go back to, so... No, neither... Same, same, yeah. You know, one of those things where you, you say, name 100 Pearl Jam songs, you probably do that without naming my father's son, you'd think, right? All right, so we got an improv to get into here, and as mentioned in David's story, it's Ed going off and giving a score update for the Cardinals game. The groove was kind of very Stones-like. That's what I thought out of this, and that's kind of coming off the night before where they did Waiting on a Friend for the first time. Yeah, I could see that. The only thing I really got to say about this is sometimes when you're listening to bootlegs and you hear, like, old sports scores and stuff, like, if you're not, and for local people, they probably got a real great kick out of this because they probably remember all the games, of course. But, like, for somebody that's kind of, you know, I don't follow the Cardinals. I In 2014, I was big down on baseball, and I really wasn't paying attention as much, so I don't remember an NLDS game between the Cardinals and the Dodgers. I, I just don't. 
So, like, hearing it is just kind of like, okay, it's great fan service, but, like, I have no actual retention as to what was happening in baseball at the time, which in most cases I would. Yeah, that kind of stuff, like, doesn't always age well, but we know Ed's a baseball fan. We know that he's going to take that opportunity because, you know, he's probably thinking, too, like, some of these people probably sacrificed going to that baseball game. I don't know if it was happening in L.A. or in yeah, I'm not sure. St. Louis, but some of the people, probably bigger Cardinals fans than Pearl Jam fans maybe, and decided probably. to come to the show instead. So he's kind of giving them a little update. He's right. just trying to and reach he out loves, and, and he have, loves the like a, have them share a moment instead of people like checking their phones or like resenting, like, oh, what's going on with the game? Like, yeah. you know, he's, he's just going to go ahead and come out and talk about it. Also to the point, it's the first game of the postseason, so that's where the yeah. height, the excitement is at its as highest. And for Cardinals fans, they lost in the World Series the year before that. So obviously now they're getting another chance as the, the National League champions at that point to come back and, and do it again and possibly go further than they were. So, I yeah, I, I get it. Anyway, we can move on from that. He says, walked in here today in all honesty with one hand on the lie detector machine. It's good to be back in St. Louis. There's a lot of people here. Thank you for coming. I need to toast to that. When I first came in, this is something my wife said when I come back on tour. It's bigger than I remember it. I don't it's a think good I, laugh from Jeff too. I think yeah. Ah, right. That's a belly laugh right there. And he's mentioning, "Oh, my knee, that is." And he's thanking the Blues doctors for what was probably a nice little cortisone shot to the knee and feeling better and in good shape to to play this. So now we get a little section of corduroy into lightning bolt here. Two songs that back-to-back, usually one of these songs would kind of finish up a section, like maybe you'd get Corduroy finishing up the Capra to Evolution and Mind Your Manners being back-to-back with Lightning Bolt, something like that. But Corduroy, back-to-back with Lightning Bolt, these are two kind of similarly structured songs. Not exactly, but, you know, ending on a big solo, ending pretty big. And back-to-back, interesting. I'll just say that. Yeah, I mean, I, it's not too that you think of being back-to-back. I think it's more just Corduroy getting more of a featured spot here. You know, maybe he went back and looked and was like, oh, man, this is the place where we debuted it, so give it a spot. And the number eight spot where right is on the record. So yeah. I thought it was great. It's one of the last times probably that you got the original version of Corduroy. They'd started the new version in late in 2013 a little bit, and then you would start to see it pop up more later this year and in 2015, definitely. But I thought it was great. Though. I thought the crowd, again, talked about the crowd earlier, what a, what a great crowd it was. You can hear him definitely on Corduroy as well. Two songs that have really attached to the crowd, no doubt about it. Yep. And that's all going to lead up to a little package in, in the middle here. But before that, Ed mentioned Stone. It said, in Cincinnati, he went for a run and ran all the way to Kentucky. But his hotel was on the border. Gets a couple of laughs and dad joke and all that. And it says that Jeff wrote the next one that comes from Russian literature called Masters and Margaritas. You'll be tested on this later. It's like Mikhail. Oh, God. What's his last name? What's the last name of the author? Like Bokarov uh, or something like that. Yeah. I think uh, I put that's... it in the concertpedia entry, but I, don't, I didn't write it down. Right. You want to cash in on a mistake right there? There you go. There's the one. And that's going to lead you into Pilot, which is going to be packaged together even flow and swallowed whole after that. Interesting with Pilot, because I mentioned the 2010 show before. Pilot's not one of those songs they play too often. It's only been played, I believe, 33 times in their history. To get it at St. Louis twice, 
is interesting. And I wonder why they did it, especially for a song that really gets kind of no play and isn't one of those that's like the crowd participation type song. It's more the deep cut off yield. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they remembered it, it being good and wanted to, to give another shot. But that is a little weird that a deep cut like that will get get thrown out two shows in the same city back to back on the next run. But they're usually conscious of stuff like that. Like, oh, you know, we did that one, so let's do that. But it might have been just the right time for it. Yeah, who knows? Even flow here. You know, it, it felt pretty fast. It felt pretty sped up. And Mike starts off the solo it started off very different. None of that explosive until it kind of went into that middle zone where he sort of builds into that a little bit. So it's building and you're kind of waiting for that. I felt like instead of anticipating it, you're, you were just kind of like, okay, when are they getting to it? Instead of like getting excited for the moment. So I, I wasn't huge on this solo, but it <laughs> leads to a really nice section where Matt does a really good job complimenting him. And yeah, it's even flow. So crowd takes it. And it was a big hit from the night, I'm sure. I thought the solo was good. It's it's long. Like, I think that's yeah. one reason that he didn't really come out swinging with the good stuff right away. He was like, I'm going to I'm gonna do, I'm, this one's going to be a long one. I'm going to build this to something. And if you like, you know, those kind of long, extended, even flow solos, like where he gets a really a chance to kind of be a little bit more lyrical and, and do some different things. Like, yeah, this one I thought was good. I think... It just kept going and going and going. He just keeps getting better and better with it. Yeah, I thought it was thought it was really good. Now, going back to a conversation that we had before about My Father's Son and about the lesser played songs off of Lightning Bolt, we get Swallowed Hole. Anything on Swallowed Hole from this show, it feels like every time that we kind of bring it up, it's, it's very seldom, of course, but we kind of say... It's one of those songs that just, I'm sure they wanted to hit. They wanted the fans to be attached with it, but it just never came to fruition. Yeah, it had the potential, I think, to be kind of something like what an unthought known has turned into, but it just never got a chance. And like I said, like only five Lightning Bolt songs of the night. This is the last one. We're here at, at song number yeah. 12, and this is the fifth one, and then you're not getting any after this. Yeah, it just kind of it, in that kind of after even flow spot where you're kind of resetting anyway just felt like it was just kind of here to kind of transition into the next part of the set which is going to be like hit after hit after hit there we go right here yeah this is this is the one you're going to knock all the people out with starts off with why go which why go is never in this part of the set this is usually dedicated for not for you kind of spot which follows afterwards and then daughter which is pretty normal and then jeremy which is pretty normal but all that back to back to back to back never ever seen that before yeah why go again you're transitioning into the next part so especially after something like swallowed hole which is you need, a little you need more a fan favorite. it's a little more kind of mid tempo and sedated doesn't really have a big moment in it why go has a big moment right from the very beginning like as soon as those drums kick in everybody knows what it is and everybody right. has to start pumping their fist and do the hay so yeah get everyone involved right away with why go but not for you i thought was again one of the big highlights from this there's a really good call and response where the crowd gets to go off again and then another great stone solo you mentioned stone a couple of times as well
This happened a couple of times throughout the night. There was like some extra reverb or some echo on his vocal, and it created kind of a cool effect. I thought I think that that was one part that really stood out. Yeah, this this performance of Not for You was good. It it, it kind of separated itself from the what was around it. I thought this was a highlight. Yeah, I agree. Not for You was definitely one of the best moments from this night, and especially the Modern Girl tag. I, I and I didn't even consider what you're saying there with the the echo reverb, but. The tag just had this like warm feeling to it. It just felt like kind of when you get into the tag at this, like sometimes it feels like, okay, it's it's obvious and it, it just sort of sprouts up and then kind of finishes off. But like this, it felt like they did more of the instrumental part to this and kind of led up to the big sing-along moment. And it just felt like infused with a little bit of like emotion there off a song that sincerity really, i thought too, yeah sincerity yeah yeah that's a good way to put it everything about this version not for you and the modern girl like had exactly what you want and look it was seven and a half minutes long the whole thing a lot of that has to do with you said there was a nice little call and response moment that happened in the bridge and the tag was definitely kind of extended too i thought the tag was was very very good picture on a sunny day oh my whole life look like a picture on a sunny day oh my whole life look like a picture on a sunny day oh my whole life look like a picture on a sunny day crowd got a little bit of juice i feel like this was a really good crowd moment right here from not for you going into daughter going into jeremy i feel like daughter and jeremy definitely benefited from the excitement from not for you sure. and the crowd is up for a great call and response on the daughter tag it, that, the call and response moment doesn't last too long but that's when the wma tag comes in right after it and that's right there we mentioned it a couple weeks ago how jeff doesn't really do the baseline during the tag. This one he does, and this one is great.
obviously what we know, what we spoke of before, this is coming in the wake of what happened at Ferguson. Yes, Ed's definitely got that on his mind. There was no way this was going to be anything but a WMA tag, and you get the sense of it because, you know, like David mentioned, he repeats justice, 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 like a few times at the end of the tag. They do a really good job of point like it's not an overt mention it's just one of those things where you know he was thinking about it and we know in hindsight at the time what was on his mind so yeah i thought that was a really intense moment especially that stuck out because like we'd never heard anything like that before with him just kind of like going off at the end of it Um, i thought it was really powerful now look in 2014 we weren't getting this occurrence every single day or if we were we didn't know about it we weren't privy to the information if that happened now I think there would have been a lot more of a speech and a little bit more anger and frustration afterwards. And that's just kind of the environment that we live in now. So, you know, for yeah, being- I think it's too, it's just a short attention span. It had been a couple of months and like you really weren't hearing anything. But even though like obviously that stuff was still going on, it wasn't like the first page of national news anymore. And people had moved yeah. on to other things because like that's the, the news cycle, the 24 hour news cycle. So yep. I think that was just him being like, hey, we, we remember we have we haven't forgotten about you guys. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Anything on Jeremy? I thought that like it's just very fast and builds up on all the speed. That final ending run was very, very good. He gives it to the crowd on that one as well. Yeah, just yeah, just part of the part of this little run of the early tracks. Yeah. Have to mention that before Jeremy is a little bit of a speech dedicating the song to Brett Hall. Talked about watching his dad Bobby when he was a kid, obviously being a Chicago Blackhawk. And he also gives a, a shout out to what well, he says is JR. And I think anybody in the hockey world knows who JR is because it makes a lot of sense. It's Jeremy Roenick. You're playing Jeremy. Yep. Make a shout out to Jeremy Roenick, who I believe is a pretty big Pearl Jam fan as well. So okay. it makes a lot of yeah. sense. Ed shouting out the back after Jeremy is over and a lot of different backs. He's like that back and that back and that back. And the way he's strumming here made me think that they were going to do that Love Boat Captain Jam again. I don't know if you got that from that. No, it would have been cool, but maybe it's just something they had in their minds and teased a little bit, maybe. Yeah, could be. Yeah, yeah. And just, just a little bit of hints. That, and because it happened the day before, that's sure. the only thing why I thought about it. So the announcement here, the Cardinals have won the game 10-9. to 9, And he said, this is maybe the last time I ever publicly root for the Cardinals. I'll do it here, though. And then makes mention to Kerry Wood being there in the crowd and seems to be getting cheered. I think there's enough Cubs fans there, so I'll do that. Then he starts to strum into the wrong song, the wrong song in the wrong set. So uh, buy him a beer, will you? However, I get it. I get it because at that point, Porch was closing the main set every single night, basically every single night of 2013 and pretty much every time in 2014 as well. Maybe a little bit of non-core one here and there, but I get why he thought that way. Knowing this now and knowing that Porch is an inevitability in the spot now, it's kind of funny to know that that's in his mind at that point too. Yeah, that that was that was funny. And I, th- I thought too, after he talks about the Cardinals, the video that we have is from right up on the NGA and someone is holding up like a license plate 
and I couldn't tell what was on it. It's probably like a song request, and they kind of toss the license plate up at the stage and it doesn't make it and like one of the security guys picks it up and hands it to Ed and he kind of like looks at it and he kind of gives it like an oh okay and then like sets it down next to the stage I wonder if that was a request for something that showed up later maybe but he doesn't go back to it but I thought that was, that was funny and then he did, did say see, he was started to ask for a request I wonder yeah. if the, the license plate said Lucan on it maybe maybe but there's a funny moment too when Lucan starts you know Ed is very intense got his head down looking at the guitar and he starts he starts his intense drumming and you see Stone in the background as the song starts just a little smirk like oh really we're gonna do this little song now like yeah. just like okay we'll do your cute little song it's worth going back and looking the look on Stone's face right when Lucan starts it's just kind of like a okay I'll hear you with your little one minute punk rock song it's really really funny I thought that was a that was a fun moment every time that Stone does something and you can just see his face like he doesn't have to say anything and you kind of know what he's verbalizing yeah. just by looking at him like those yeah. those are classic moments from stone and lucan's real quick obviously what else is lucan gonna be and it's gonna get you into rearview mirror and once again we get something special on rearview mirror because it feels like we're getting really good versions of rearview mirror every time out here and to me this was the jeff show this was the jeff event show mm. on this just Nice little blossoming bass drum. You're able to hear him prominently. The little parts where the guitars are kind of gaining some feedback and sort of getting some atmosphere. Jeff is really in the forefront with this sound, you know? Yeah, I mean, put it on the board. Another classic version of Riri Mirror. Yeah, I thought this was really good. And again, makes me miss the days when it was being played at every show almost. But we did have those. We did have those, and we had a lot yeah, of those. And yep. Right, and it's that's why it's good to go back on these. But you have to also go into the end, like the, the tease into the end. I've been talking about it a lot, where Jeff has kind of been holding out those notes until he finally builds into that big bass roll at the end. And it does sound a little bit winded going into the end. It sounded like he couldn't really hit the final scream. And I, I wonder if this goes into why it's not really placed in the set anymore. Is that that moment especially is really the one he can't do and and going off afterwards it kind of is a little bit of a trickle down effect at the end Could of the be. song yeah but this version was excellent so no problems there okay we are at the encore now it's time to pause for station identification and talk a little bit about patreon we have one new patron to thank this week and one patron who has elevated up to the next level and that patron is julia feller who joined the giggle egg tier this week so awesome. thank you so much julia thanks, that was great thanks, julia yeah. and joining the giggle leg as well but as a first time member is mary rose Jenna Pratt. So thank you so much, Mary Rose, for joining up. That's going to be great, and hope you enjoy all the content that's out there. Last week, we released the Grievance episode from the Letterman performance, and hopefully in the next week or so, we'll be having one or two other things kind of coming down the pike. So if you're not up on Patreon right now, now is a good time. Our goal is to get to 200 by 200th episode, and right now this is episode number 195, believe it or not. How did we get there? Well, that's a long story. Too long. Didn't tell it on a podcast. And I won't because it's just too ridiculous to tell. But we're there. Somehow we made it. And if you want to join in and look, it's only a dollar a month. And you can go back to all the back catalog stuff in the archive. You just head on over to patreon.com slash live on four legs. Or you can go to live on four legs.com and click the become a patron button there. 
and you join it, and it's a good time. And again, more content, nothing bad about that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks to thanks to Mary Rose and Julia and all of our patrons who continue to support the show, you know, month after month. It's very much appreciated and doesn't go unnoticed. So absolutely. Thank you, guys. And yeah, in a couple of weeks, we'll be kicking back up on the tour and doing the reaction episodes and, you know, follow along on the podcast community group on Facebook and live on com for the concertpedia entries as we go. So, yeah, we're kind of in a little lull right now, but we're going to kick it back up in a couple of weeks. No doubt about that. Yeah. And once the tour ends, then we'll go back to the routine of putting out more evolution episodes, putting out more very early stuff that we're going to be covering. So yeah, no, no lack of ideas for content out there. Why don't we get into talking about like some of the little things? Because after last week's episode and talking about that tailgate, (laughs) which is just still one of the best things. And if you didn't listen to last week's episode or you did listen and you cut out before the ending stuff or whatever, Go back and listen to the very end of the episode or just go on YouTube and search for Pearl Jam Camden 2006 tailgate so you can see the whole thing. But I played the clip of what was happening, the whole thing that was happening there. And it's very, very funny. And one of the things that I got out of that was obviously just the desire to to do a tailgate because I feel like in the past for concerts, for baseball games, whatever. I haven't really put myself in a position to be tailgating. Cause I've always wanted to get in the doors as early as possible. But for this one, I feel like we're going to give this a shot because uh, I'm going with Matt. He's going to bring a bunch of barbecue stuff. We're going to bring some, some burgers, some hot dogs, obviously some beer with us. And you know, everybody is welcome to just drop by. I'll bring the big live on four legs flag with us. So hang it from the car so everybody can see where we are. And we'll do, we'll just do a big ass New Jersey tailgate. How about that? I, that sounds like ridiculous amount of fun. And I don't think we'll be able to replicate what's on that video mainly because most of us are in our late thirties and, and forties now, but Hey, we can try, we can give it a shot. So anybody that's going down to Camden, if you want to meet up with us in the parking lot, please do. And to figure out where we are, just kind of send me a DM or send me an email on the Live on Four Legs account. Very accessible. I'll get in touch with you, no problem. But yeah, we're just going to be hanging out there. We're going to party. We're going to talk to you guys and play a lot of Pearl Jam from the truck. So hopefully you guys will be out there. But before that is the MSG show. And we did lock down a nice little location to be able to meet everybody and hype up for MSG. And that will be at the Houndstooth Pub. It's on 8th. And 37th, it's about a five-minute walk away from MSG, so if it's running a little late and you're feeling kind of anxious that you need to be in, we'll be able to get you in, and everybody will get get in. It'll start about like 3.30, 4 o'clock, we'll start getting people in there, and and hopefully it seems like it's going to be a pretty good crowd. So, you know, just just a nice little hangout and just get to meet everybody that we can. That's, that's, That's just about it. And... If you've been paying attention, obviously, we're still running for the breath campaign. A lot of other people have contributed some funds into the raffle this week. So thank you to all the people that have done that. We are close to our goal. We're we're past four hundred dollars. We I, I, I made the goal between six hundred and nine hundred just to be able to get all of what we wanted printed to be printed. And you can still contribute up until probably about the 1st of September. I'll I'll cut it off. So if you're still interested in that, 
We're going to be doing prize giveaways off of that. And basically what we're doing is we're going to recreate the breath campaign that happened in 1998 by printing out a bunch of signs that say breath. And especially for the GA, but I want to spread this out to more than just the GA, people all holding it up in front so the band will be able to see it and just make for a nice little recreation of history. That's that's what I'm excited for. And a lot of people have been really gung-ho and rooting for us to, to do this. So if you're interested in making a contribution, every $5 will get you a raffle ticket into our little raffle that we're doing, which will involve some posters. I have an artist print of the Vegas poster that happened from this year and it's signed and it's numbered. It's out of a hundred. I can't tell you what the number is because I have not opened it for this purpose. And I also have uh, some posters that have been sitting around. I have another Vegas poster and I have the Sacramento poster as well. And I have some shirts from those shows as well. And we'll be doing a nice little give. We'll give us, we'll give away some bootlegs too. Maybe some other things that uh, you might not expect. So if you're interested in donating, head over to Venmo at live on four legs is the account donate whatever you'd like and you're in the raffle or i know that international people can't get to venmo so if it's paypal just randy.sobel s-o-b-e-l at gmail.com send whatever you'd like through paypal that way and we'll make it all work out so yeah those are the ways that you guys can donate and it'll just be a big fun time in, at madison square garden because well what else would you expect it to be? That's three events that are locked in for some shows there with St. Louis and with MSG and Camden. And also there's going to be a nice little pre-party the day before the Toronto show that our, our good friend Randy Morgan is putting together. And I'll be at that one. And the Toronto show will be my birthday. So maybe it'll be a little pseudo birthday celebration there, which obviously I would want everybody that's going to the show to go to that as well. So, all right. Now, back to The Rock and go into Encore 1. As Ed was coming back on stage, it sounded like the crowd was just making a lot of noise. Did you hear them say, like, boom? Did you hear them do the boom thing? Because I didn't really yeah, it didn't. get that. Yeah. Maybe it's just because they were loud and Ed was like, oh, well, I thought you were just saying hi to boom. And maybe he was out there before everybody else was. I'm, I'm not sure about that. I quit maybe watching the video. Maybe they Wood. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I quit watching the video after a while because the, the full video that's on YouTube is just a little out of sorts. They replay some songs. It, it was a tough watch, so I watched whatever I could, but definitely didn't get to watch anything of the encore. Ed says, I thought you we all were ready to leave and get started for game two, but we're more than happy to keep playing for you. We can try this, but if I fuck it up, I'll stop. But if you sing with me, then I probably won't fuck it up. This is the debut of John Lennon cover, Imagine. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. Today, 
We've talked about this song on the show multiple times and our feelings for it and maybe feelings all aside, just kind of talking about what this song and why this song was sort of brought into the fold. I think we've mentioned before that, you know, it's a very popular song. Everybody's going to know it. And obviously, you know, when he asked the crowd for help, they, they gave it to him. That's for sure. And, you know, maybe this is tied in a little bit to the Ferguson thing and not actually mentioning it by name, but sort of that idea and and playing it for this moment. I I wonder if that was going through his head during this. Could be. Yeah, this song is, as we speak in in 2022, this song is kind of tainted from the ill-fated celebrity pandemic version that came out of I never watched that years ago. yeah didn't I but this you have to kind of put yourself back in the frame of mind of like okay before that and you know at, at one point this was kind of a powerful song and like we kind of like talk about oh it's like everyone's done it so it's become like this cliche but in the right moment it'll be powerful and it's just a huge sing-along that's the thing that stood out to me is that the crowd absolutely delivers, like you said, from from what had asked them to do. And that really, I think, elevates it above just kind of your, you know, Thursday night open mic at the comedy club, someone coming up and doing it and trying to be really, uh, you know, sensitive. But yeah, I, I, I didn't mind it. Not one of my favorite things that they do, but, but I get it. And like, obviously, the shadow of the Ferguson stuff is still over the show. So that gives a little more weight to it. So yeah, I think shout out to the crowd who kind of made it something that it might not have been. Let's uh, skip the Just Breathe without bass because it doesn't have bass. Yeah, sad. Missed opportunity. Ooh. Yeah, it always is. It always is. I, I think Mike was playing his like little, like, I, I, you can't even call it strong part. It's basically like a finger picking part, kind yeah. of complimentary to Ed. But if you're doing that, just bring in the whole band, please, please. We say this far too often, far too often, but there's good reason for it. Also, like these five from Imagine all the way down to Last Kiss, it's kind of like the the campfire, the cool down, whatever you want to yeah. say. But it's I think they were seated too. I want to say there were some some chairs on stage for this part. Yeah, and usually they kind of go three and out on this, but it's interesting because you go five, and then you go two with once and down, and then you kind of go back to maybe a more of an emotional vibe when you get into like Chloe Dancer, Crown of Thorns, that one. It's not meant to be one of the hard rockers, of course. And it's a lot of this set kind of seems to take on that identity in the encore here. Yeah. And I thought even Thin Air gets the serious collector, collector. Uh, treatment here. That was surprising. The, the romantic types. Uh, this, this one's for the, the serious collector. They played it, I think, once on the the European leg, but one again that was cool that it showed up. You know, getting uh, getting a binaural song there, the only one of the night. So that, that was sneaky. cool. I thought that stood out that they were showing that they were kind of working some more of the deep cuts into that into that little section. Of course, footsteps is going to be a big sing along and a great version there too. But it was a good um, version of footsteps. It was. Yeah. So yeah, this was cool. You look at it on paper and it might be like, oh, okay, like imagine, just breathe, whatever. But imagine being the debut in the crowd and then, you know, getting thin air and footsteps there. It was cool. Yeah, I, I like this a lot. 
Yeah, just for a second, just kind of going off on footsteps a little bit. Like, it felt like this year when they played it, it kind of went back to the Stark version and it kind of lost the crowd pleasing moment and it kind of fell back into its roots, which I like a lot. But also, when you hear it like this, where it's kind of more of a campfirey version where it feels more celebrated than it feels depressing as the content of the song is like I, I i like this version i thought it had a nice little cathartic rise to it and usually you don't really think that when you think of footsteps at least not in that terminology you kind of think okay they build up to something good but there's there's the ebbs and flows like this one felt kind of like the purpose of the song was to get to that big big moment in it instead of like feeling the ebbs and flows on it they they did a nice job building up to that and that's why the song really sort on this one. turn around to the back and play a little song called Last Kiss, but they would call it Drive Safely Tonight, which obviously from the theme. And yeah, it it lasts a little longer than usual, but I think they got exactly what they wanted out of it. Good reactions from the crowd. Obviously, when you go to the back, you're getting a different change of scenery there. So yeah, nice little thing. And we haven't talked about Last Kiss in a very, very long time. So, you know, there it is. Yeah. And Matt even had his like little small stand-up drum kit so we, like they did the whole thing so yeah it was it was fun didn't didn't mind it been a while since we heard it so that that definitely helped right yeah no no it, it, you know if you hear it like five weeks in a row you're like okay we can cool off on this but yeah first time in like three four months whatever it is and yeah no problem that's that's fine it feels welcome at the end of last kiss ed makes mention to a lady with a sign in the front that says it's her hundredth show and offers her a drink and he talks about how life happens great things happen and the other stuff is inevitable and allows us to know when things are really really good the whole show we played with everybody's stories in our hearts and then he goes off to mention a bunch of people baby b a new dad, the next one would go out to him and his wife and his beautiful twins, then shouts out Mike and Garrett. They both lost their fathers. And there's like a handful of people, I'm sure, that the 10 Club or just people around the band got to get some some letters written into them saying like, hey, I'm going to the show with a heavy heart for, for something. And then he kind of makes a comment. He's like, oh, well, there's a woman celebrating her 50th birthday. Big deal about that. I'll be 50 in 10 years and kind of makes a joke out of that. But yeah, nice little moment to get recognition for all the people that probably had a reason to be there that night. Yeah, this is an interesting little speech for a lot of reasons. It definitely kind of stood out to me because 
again, you're getting a little window into how Ed thinks, and that it's that line, you know, tonight we're playing with everyone's stories in our hearts, and it kind of occurred to me that, like, they do that every night, and, like, they get so much of this stuff where, like, people have just attached themselves to these songs and these songs have become part of people's lives and meant so much that they feel that. And I can't even think of another band that has happened to them in the, in this kind of way where like every song is just littered with emotional heaviness and weight where like even kind of the lighthearted songs like, yeah, people have attached themselves to these songs over the years. And when he said that, I kind of did a double take like, wow, like he's really feeling this stuff every night when they go out there. Like that must be such a huge weight to carry. And like we always talk about how, you know, Ed wears his heart on his sleeve and you can always tell he's feeling the the sense of empathy that this band has is almost unprecedented. Like I really can't think of another example of a band that does this many dedications and really takes to heart kind of the stories and we even saw that in 2022 with roland and a couple other things that happened earlier on they're like they really care about the fans a lot of bands do lip service to that and will talk the talk but they won't walk the walk and pearl jam has always done that and that must just be such a heavy thing for them to feel like every time they go out on stage like just the weight of all of that i can't even imagine you know, that's one reason why the shows are so special and why they create these moments and why we do this show to talk about them, to talk about those stories and to talk about those moments. If that wasn't the case, we wouldn't be here. That's the reason why all of this has happened and why there's such a special band of people and why people make these connections out of these songs. It really just kind of hit me in a in the right way when he was talking about that. Like, he's given you a little bit of the inside story here. Yeah, I thought that was really, really amazing. Honestly, there's one other artist that I can think of that probably is on par with that, that maybe they even kind of got that from and, and took that to heart, and that's Bruce. I feel like Bruce does a lot of the same stuff. And one of the moments that I remember from a Bruce show that I went to is that after the first set, they came back out and I had seen this sign behind the stage the entire night. And it said, I just beat cancer. Please play no surrender. And I'm sure that somebody in the band got wind of that went backstage and said, hey, there was this big sign dedicated to somebody who just beat cancer. I think we should do the song. And they came back out. They made mention of it. And that's exactly what they did. It's that kind of thing. It's it's not just making a moment for everybody. And, and even in these cases, it does kind of become a moment for everybody because you, you do remember those people that have this moment. And you do feel for them and you feel for their story like we mentioned with Roland, like that one was a great one. Like when we got the message about, you know, trying to get a song for him to be played and what was happening with him, you just think about the situation that he was in. He said, the only two things I want to do before I go are to see my daughter turn 18 and to go see Pearl Jam. And that like, to know that in 2020, before all this happened on us, he was fine. Two years two years it took that's nothing that's no time at all life happens it 100 and yeah like you you feel for these people you remember these people and they kind of become part of that community that community of people that family and 
if the band didn't have that mindset and that kind of thought to kind of share everybody's story as they've been doing, then I don't know if our community is as well packed as it is because it's just everybody cares for one another because they see that from the band. They, they take that energy. That's so important. And I don't think a lot of people talk about is that the fans really vibe off sort of the energy of the band and kind of the things that they bring up that are important to them. It becomes important to all of us because it's right in front of your face and you see it. And it's so relatable in a lot of instances that if you see it happen to another fan, there's how many fans are there out there that, you know, they could be big fans. They could be fans ingrained in the community. They can be you know, a little bit outside of it, but it doesn't matter. It's that everybody gets a hold of it and immediately, whether you know the person or not, you feel for them. And you, you would think like after that, you know, they're going to play black. Or are they going to play light years? Are they going to play comeback? It's going to be this big thing. And he even mentions that like, oh, you think we're going to play one of the tearjerkers, but, but what do they do instead? It could have been curated a little bit better. Like it could have. Oh, like, hey, they World, Worldwide Suicide was supposed to open this encore. So really <laughs> it ended up being, being cut. That would have been oh. the last play of it. This was kind of the, no pun intended. Imagine that being played at the beginning of this encore, but yeah. Yeah, if they did once and down after footsteps and then saved last kiss for before Chloe Dancer Crown of Thorns and then did the dedication before Crown like that, I think that might have worked if you wanted to get that idea out there. But yeah, maybe maybe Black was the right song for that. I don't disagree. Once fits into it's like it gets it's a big problem. Once upon a time, like there's a little bit you could make a stretch. Maybe, well, he said story, so I guess yeah. I guess, yeah. And a, I, I re- a big crowd moment on Once, too. There was, yeah. And Jeff, again, very prominent on this version of Once, mixed in very well. Nice little combo for the encore. Nothing too taxing on Ed's voice. And I didn't really have much to say on Down. It's just like another very quick combination that was really... He, he, he messed up the first verse. He started singing the second part of the verse early. Got a little, I didn't got a little even confused. Catch that. He, he picked it up, yeah. I didn't even catch that. But really, these two right here feel like kind of the change of pace before you're going to go into Chloe and, and Crown Definitely. here. Definitely. And it's always going to be a show highlight. It's happening at the point in the set that, like we mentioned, that Black is usually in this spot. So you're getting a little bit of a change, but it's a very spirited performance. And it gets a little bit of an injection in life. And I'm not saying that the other songs didn't have that, but like this is giving you that guiding spirit before going into porch like that like okay we don't have a lot of time with this left and like we're just we're feeling every moment on this and i don't know if they've been using crown of thorns like that a lot they should if they're not doing it with black or better man then crown of thorns could be the one but this was a really really good spot for the song to stand out yeah really really good they've only played crown of thorns four times since the show that seems amazing very very low it should be a lot more than that good version it always carries with it a lot of emotional power and a lot of emotional weight it automatically ramps up the emotional tension in the crowd immediately as soon as it starts because yeah everybody knows the story it does the job there does it fit the vibe of the show maybe not but great song so i'll never say no to it being in a set yeah
now this is the right spot for porch everybody like i said ed must have been so used to this just automatically being the main set closer that it was just instinct for him to play it at that part this is a long jam for porch too but it, it, it is, feels yeah. like kind of in the same way that river mirror like everybody's getting a point to to shine here sound like stone's groove was really setting the tone and then you're getting a big crowd sing along at the end with Ed, and sounds like he's up on barricade, and everybody's having a nice moment together there. So, what would you take away from this one? Just uh, another long jam, like we we saw it on Even Flow with the long solo. We saw it on Rearview Mirror. Just goes to show what you know what kind of mood they were in. They were just kind of feeling it out there in a good mood on stage. So, good version of Porch. And I was not watching the video at this point, but at the end of the song, Ed says, don't do it, don't do it. And I'm wondering if he's on the barricade and somebody's trying to drag him into the crowd. Did you see that? I don't remember that. I don't remember being like a distinct, uh, I, don't, I don't even think that, that all of Porch is on the video. So I don't oh. know that we even got that. Oh, well. Yeah. Okay. Well, there goes that idea. All right. Encore two now, you're going to get five more songs in the set and you're going to get more Cardinals references. I don't really think we need to go over that much anymore, but the reference that I do want to bring up is actually for somebody else that was getting a song dedicated to her. And uh, it's a woman named Andy and she was there in attendance with her kids and she had made her way from the hospital into the gig. And there's her obituary is out there. And like, this was one of the final things that she did and going back to all the stories and all the people and, and keeping an eye out on all of the things that go on in this community and all the people that have needed them for so much. I I don't think I'll ever forget this story. And I'll, I'll say in a second, like, you know, they're playing, giving a fly for her and Ed screams in the beginning for Andy, for Andy. And they also changed the lyrics to she's flying instead of he's flying. So it's on his mind throughout the whole entire time, but it's really the after effect that really hits home. Especially, uh, if, you know, given to fly in St. Louis, like that's the, oh yeah, that's the song that, you know, we know the story of what happened to the translator in yep. 2000. So yeah, just a really powerful moment. Another one. In her obituary, I'm going to read two lines from it. It says, It was as if once she accepted her fate and spending the last four weeks in the hospital with Jen, who was her sister, by her side most of the time, all that was left was for her to come home. Two days after her turning home with her daughter and her sister by her side, she left us. It isn't enough to say that she will be missed. The world will be poorer without her. So that's two days after the concert. 
you know, these bootlegs that we listen to and the videos that we watch and the shows, it's it's just a snapshot of of a moment in time. And like we don't often get the full story of everyone's life. Again, like Ed said earlier, life happens. People who were at the show went on and lived their lives and did what they did and things happen and we get these little windows into people's lives from these shows and that's absolutely you know tragic what happened just just a few days later but again like happy that they were able to connect with the band and were able to get the message and someone was able to to make it happen for them to to get that dedication to get to the show so yeah happy happy that they got the moment and just yeah it's heartbreaking to hear what happened just a few days later but we get these little snapshots and you you sometimes forget that like these are people's lives and and things happen and i think we're getting more of that as the show goes on the i'm talking about the the podcast now like we're getting more of these stories and people telling stories and we're kind of getting you know with the community group and everything and you're you're seeing some of the stuff so yeah it's it's really special i'm the you know the her family and everything they'll always have this bootleg in the show to look back on and hopefully smile about it yeah and you know we've known people in this community that have been sick and that have passed away. And I think that, you know, the more you, you get ingrained and the more people that you meet, it's, it's just feels, you know, unfortunately inevitable that something is going to happen to somebody. And you just kind of keep thinking that like, you know, if Ed takes note of that, that's how you know that this is all special. That's how you know that we mean something to him and mean something to the rest of the band. And I think that's why we are so attached to it. The music it's in itself should be enough, but they go out of their way to, to really make this an experience for all of us. And in some cases, you know, one of the last after given a fly, it's going to be setting forth into better man. And yeah, I don't think I've ever heard this transition between setting forth and better man before you've heard other songs that setting forth has kind of been the table setter for but better man is interesting and i I would like to kind of cut to the tag because the tag is is the interesting part because obviously you know save it for later you get the don't run away but there's a little bit there's some references here and before in one of the spots where he's talking about the cardinals he was talking about baseball and he said something about the angels because the angels were in the postseason and when they were showing clips of the game or something like that they were showing people at beaches and in the sunshine and having a good time and it was like oh they they've already won they've already won they don't need baseball they've already won life and he kind of brings that back in this here. Don't run away to California because it looks good on the TV. Don't run away from me. Don't run away from me. Don't run away from Seattle just because there's a man there that you like. Don't run away. Don't run away from me. Don't run away from Chicago even though it's a great city. But this one's better, so don't run away. Don't run away from me. At least that's what I think because I was born here and I'll never leave here. And I don't Run away, 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 run
just a nice little section there that different from his usual routine with Save It For Letter. Yeah, I like the little improv. And I, I, I've heard this before. That's kind of, I remembered this from hearing it on bootleg and stuff. It was fun. There's a moment too during Better Man, I think right before that, where Mike comes over to the middle of the stage and, and he and Ed do the little lean on each other back to back. And they eventually go all the way down to the floor. And Mike is, is doing the, his little solo part on the floor. And Ed tries to like pick him up by his pants while he's still playing. And Mike, like again, very talented, continues the, the solo with one hand and while picking himself off the floor. You don't even notice on the bootleg because it's just seamless. But yeah, that was fun. They had a, a nice little moment there during Better Man. We're closing out the show with two that the fans certainly get their crowd appreciation during, and that's going to be Alive in the Bob O'Reilly. Again, more crowd stuff during this. It sounds like Ed gives the mic to a fan that's that's singing the chorus to Alive a little bit, and he's got a weird voice. It's kind of a funky voice, but you can you can tell, okay, like everybody's having fun. And then Bob O'Reilly gets a great reaction from the crowd and obviously singing along and all the big points too. And you're ending with a cover instead of ending with a Ledbetter or Indifference at this one. So it's it's a little bit different. But what do you think of the end of the show here? You know, again, full celebration mode. Bob O'Reilly is kind of the big triumphant ending that they, they gets you out on a high. So yeah, it's just their way of appreciating this crowd for the show and for the night. And they were in a great mood keep it light keep it fun and yeah send everyone home happy all right that's the show now let's get to the top three moments that we'll talk about right now i believe i'm up first this week so i'm gonna go number three is going to be chloe dancer and crown of thorns just a nice little moment to get you into porch and you can kind of sense that you know the crowd is feeling something big with this and it's just kind of the growing and the intensity is growing during and it was just a very very good version of both number two is gonna be footsteps i thought this version of footsteps just sounded really really good and number one here is going to be not for you and especially some of the call and response was very good but the modern girl tag at the end was just terrific and i couldn't get over that i thought that that was the best moment of the night my number three is going to be Daughter with the tag on there and everything that that meant, especially with the justice part at the end. My number two is going to be Do the Evolution. And my number one, I'm with you, not for you. Cool. Hey, it's it's not often that we get a number one that's the same. So we'll have to go back to this one, I suppose. Yeah. Now well, let's figure out the rating from this. And I'm up first. And I'll say this, like... It's a decent show. It's a it's a it's a good show in that way. It's it's not the show that I look for. I obviously kind of want things that make it stand out. There were a couple things that made it stand out. I think the thing with Andy and getting the given a fly dedication there was really really important, and I think that I'll remember that. But from a grand scheme of things and what people kind of bring to the show, I don't I don't hear a lot of people talking about this show in the same way that they talked about some of those other 2014 ones. And and look, you're up against very stiff competition. It's Moline, it's Milwaukee, it's Cincinnati from a couple nights before Denver at the end of the tour. There are some very, very good shows on this tour that a lot of people still hold very, very highly in regard. And while this show isn't really in that stage, it sort of falls somewhere in the middle, I think. And, you know, it it just, again, like moments are good and moments are fine, but 
it needed a little bit more to stand out. And the second instruction, fine. I didn't have a problem with it. I thought maybe it was a little too hit heavy, but I'm not going to knock it for that. It's still very early in the tour. I think this is a seven. I'm just going to, yeah, this is going to be a seven. Okay. Yeah, I thought this was above average, like a lot of lightning bolt early on. And you're kind of like, okay, well, some of this stuff is has not aged very well, like the My Father, Son, and Swad Hole, like we talked about, they don't ever play those anymore. So, kind of like, okay, this is a little, it is what it is. But it, I thought it really picked up in the the second half of the main set, like we talked about, with the Not For You and Daughter. And then the Encore got a little more emotional than we expected from the show, so I've added a little more weight to it. I thought the crowd was very good. I'm going to give this one an eight. I thought it was above average. Not up in the classic realm, like some of those other ones you talked about, but a very good show. Okay. All right. Yeah, there you have it. And once again, thank you to David Ruthman, who I'm sure gave it a 10. And if anybody's voice matters on it, it's always the person that requests it. That's the one. We read his story. We don't have any personal attachment to it. This is just a bootleg to us. So if you want to take anybody's word for it, take David's. All right. Next week, we mentioned this city about two minutes ago, the city of Denver. They will be back to Denver in the same exact spot. They're going to be closing a leg with Denver the same way they did in 2014. They'll be doing it in a month from now. And unfortunately, I'm not going to be there. I would love to go see a show in Denver. However, we'll be able to kind of do a little bit of reminiscing, and we're going to go back to a year that I don't think we've done in a very, very long time. It's been over a year. Has been over a year. Okay, well, we're giving it its due, and I I think I I noticed that, and that's why we kind of needed to get it in at some point. Uh, before the year ended and maybe we'll go back to it again who knows but we're going to do a denver show from 1994 and in 1994 they actually opened up that tour with two shows from denver we're going to be doing the second show because there are some things that happened in that one that are very interesting there's some things that happened in in the first one that are really interesting as well but the the boots aren't the best quality from these two so it's it's a little bit tough to pick at here but we're gonna get to the second night of denver because there are some very important moments from that one and again 1994 there's there's still prime pearl jam so it'll be fun to talk about that gonna be a uh not for you debut on that one that's kind of what i'm alluding to too and i i think like spin the black circle with the second play right correct didn't it get it got debuted the first night Yep, and then another a cover that popped up in 2022 that we're going to talk about the debut of as well. So that'll be fun. All right, yeah. And the first night, I think the one that really stuck out to me on the first night was that they opened with Indifference. The first show on a tour is opened up with a song that never ever gets opened with, and if it did, nobody ever thinks about it. So very cool stuff. And we'll continue on the next couple weeks and do more shows of the upcoming dates as well. So get ready for Denver 1994 next week. And hey, if you like this episode, if you like the show, please make sure you're subscribed on all the big podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, wherever else you go to get your podcast. You can even go to live on fourlegs.com and listen to your podcast there. If you want to rate the show, you can give the show a five-star rating over there. And on Apple, you can leave us a comment leaving comments helps and we haven't gotten a lot of comments in a long time i went through it the other day and i'm just like i just want to see where it's up to and and all that and you know the rating's good the rating's great 
But uh, be nice to get another comment. Be nice to get get another comment on that. So if you decide after listening to this episode that you're like, okay, I want to give those guys a comment, let them know that they're doing a good job or whatever, then uh, we'll send you a bootleg of a show. How about that? That's a nice little prize. If if you guys are into that, you want a little bootleg of a show that you haven't listened to in a very long time or something that you've been intrigued about, then uh, we'll offer that as a little prize for commenting on the Apple podcast reviews so that's a sweet deal not much you got to do there just say live and four legs is great and you got yourself a bootleg and that's a digital bootleg by the way so all right this is the end of this one so let's let's say goodbye this may be the end we're here and not for much longer and although we may be parting ways miss you already miss you always we'll be back for denver next week but st louis that'll be the last one for us when September comes around, we're waiting for it. We're looking forward. So hopefully we get to see it at that show. Bigger than I remember.